Hello, my wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary. I minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church right here in the beautiful city of Adelaide. I'm also your Drive Time host every Tuesday and Wednesday. It is so wonderful uh, to be able to share with you uh, once again. Uh, Now this week uh, we're following the theme, God is Good, How God Led Me. And I've really appreciated the stories that we've been hearing. We've been just asking some of our presenters, okay, how did you get to where you are today? How have the, how's the Lord directed in your life? Uh, you know, I've really appreciated what I've, uh, what I've been hearing at, uh, at this point in time. Uh, now, of course, uh, uh, today, um, our, uh, our co-host, uh, is in fact, uh, Pastor David Butcher. Now, David's our regular, uh, Wednesday co-host. Uh, he's the lead pastor of the Seventh-day Adventist Church right here in South Halls. And welcome to you, David. Good afternoon, Gary. It's really good to be with you. It's fantastic to have you with us. How is the bike riding going? Yeah, really good question. Not enough, but uh, believe it or not, I went out Sunday morning. Uh, Sunday in Adelaide was uh, a day of about 35 degrees, 34 degrees. It was beautiful. And... uh, um, you know, I, I'm out of regular riding, so I went on the flat. So I did mm-hmm. 50k um, out towards um, what's called Outer Harbour, mm-hmm. uh, northern arm, I guess, of, of uh, nice suburban area. Adelaide. Yeah, and a 26k ride out, 26k ride back along the uh, an esplanade, if you like, along the beachfront with little wind, and so it was really nice. You did that in less than an hour? No, look, um, about 26k an hour, <laughs> which which. Um, okay. Yeah, when I'm fitter, it'll probably be about close to 30k an hour. Yeah, yeah. But but surprisingly, it was the longest ride I'd done in about three or four months. And, um, you know, that for the rest of the day, I was, uh, we've got a lot of um, palm trees in the property we're in. So I was up ladders pruning trees and digging holes and cleaning out fish ponds and all sorts of things. So, yeah, um, Bike riding is really good as you get older, I think. It's not like um, playing a football game or something. So yeah, it's, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I know I'm doing my power walking, and uh, uh, I, I wish the temperature would just actually stabilise because uh, right now we've got you know one of these really hot uh, days, and then we've got uh, cold days, and uh, it's jumping all over the place. And uh, I'm I'm sort of praying, Lord, you know, I mean, hey, come on, let's have spring and let's move into summer and let's get some some regularity about all of uh, all of this but tell me something uh christmas uh it's uh, chris chris is coming up very soon you're going to get some holidays yes look certainly um hopefully uh, three or four weeks um and yeah we're um doing some traveling as part of that um interstate and also local so uh, yeah really looking forward to Having time, more time to do the things, uh, things with family and also yeah. more time to, uh, I guess, self care and, and, uh, you know, exercise and gardening and, and tick off a list of things that we need to do and, and outings, I guess, as well. When you're finished with your garden, please come over and, uh, you can, you can have a go at my one as well. <laughs> yeah, not a problem, Gary. <laughs> yeah. Oh, look, David, look, let's come to our World Watch, uh, uh, segment. Uh, The Guardian, uh, this morning I was just, just having it and perusing it and, uh, I picked up a, an article that was uh, uh, that really, I suppose, grabbed me. Uh, this is what it said. I couldn't pretend any 
Moore is how the article started. Uh, Christians on why they left the Christian faith. Uh, readers respond to the census finding that England and Wales are now minority uh, Christian countries. Now, of course, uh, uh, as soon as I, I read that, I sort of thought, hey, this is worth uh, following up on. And uh, uh, let, let me just share this, uh, this article with you. Diana, 44, a retail worker from Yorkshire, was raised in a Christian fundamentalist home and always struggled with her faith. Concepts such as predestination and creationism never made sense to her. Losing my faith was a process of gradual disengagement, she says. At some point, I didn't think that I, as a woman, was made to submit to a man. But the final straw was watching my father die of cancer and trying to do so without pain relief as it was God's will while waiting to be healed. I finally admitted to myself that I didn't believe in a supernatural being and couldn't pretend anymore. Today, Diana is an atheist like many other people uh, who got in touch with The Guardian to share why they no longer identified as Christians after the census did find in England and Wales that those countries were now minority Christian countries. Various people cited similar experiences. Some were able to point to particular events in their lives that suddenly made their, uh, made clear their values were no longer congruent with Christian teachings, while others distanced themselves more gradually and gently from their faith. For James, a program manager from Birmingham, it was more of a creeping realisation as he got older that certain aspects of the Christian faith were incompatible with a critical thinking. I was raised as a Christian. Every church, every Sunday, Church of England, school, taught to say grace before dinner. At some point in my life, Teens, the stuff that provided comfort, such as the idea of an omnipotent, omniscient God, suddenly started to feel more like a fairy tale you tell kids to help them sleep and posed questions. Then I thought, if God knows exactly what I'm going to do and lets it happen, then I no longer have free will, the 44-year-old says. Then there was uh, another lady, this was uh, Pauline, she's 54, who was retired and lives in Bristol. And she says that certain Christian teachings became irreconcilable with her values over time. I probably stopped calling myself a Christian in my 30s. I was brought up as a strict Roman Catholic with Irish parents. Uh, we always went to church on Sunday, and for most of my childhood it was a ritual that was nice and comforting, she says. But as she got older, she began to have doubts. I felt that if God made everyone in his image, then why were people uh, who were gay... Hated by the church. All of the hell and damnation stuff as well, plus the amount of money the Catholic Church has. It led me to be totally disillusioned by the whole uh, church thing. Now, David, as I, as I was reading this particular article, I suppose numerous questions started to come into, into my mind. But I suppose, you know, uh, firstly, how would you respond to the reasons these people gave for uh, leaving their faith? Yeah, thank you, Gary. And and I guess for any believer, Christian believer, um, this is concerning, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. 
And there are a number of reports that uh, highlight things such as this. Yeah, look, uh, I think some of the early ones, you know, that, that you read there of a lady that um, uh, went through a process of gradual disengagement and the final straw being, um, you know, seeing her father die of cancer. And, and without any medication to uh, painkilling yeah. uh, medication. And, and waiting to be healed, etc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so a lot of these things, in my opinion, come out of distorted uh, biblical teachings that aren't really biblical. Mm. And so, you know, I don't think God, exp- I don't believe God, uh, God has given the gift of medicine. Uh, there, I believe in natural medicine, but I also believe that God uses medical people also to assist. Mm. And uh, there's been stories lately in the Australian news of of a a religious group that, uh, you know, a a child died and they didn't do anything to assist that child because they thought she would be healed. Now, uh, there's presumption. Yep. And so some of these practices that believers may do of any religious persuasion – naturally would make other people cringe and potentially lose their faith because but, I don't think it's what God desires. But they are. But these beliefs tend to be more, I suppose, uh, religious than biblical. Exactly. Exactly. And, and some of uh, the stories you've, you've – uh, the people, the stories you've mentioned here, there is very cultural uh, scenarios where they've grown up in a faith or their parents were this, they've been this uh, – Religion and faith for them were comforting mm. as mm. a young person. Okay. And, and I think there is a difference between something that you might find comforting and something that you might find life-changing. Ah, and in other words, it's I can I can watch my parents' faith, but it's it's something that you know has to be passed on there is no such such thing as a a, a natural um natural increase I, sometimes i'm conscious that we you know we talk about you know young people when they are baptized they are uh, they're often regarded as natural increases though it was expected that they're actually going to become uh christians themselves whereas in fact they're is no such thing. As no, natural. exactly. Like certainly I think as parents and family and schools and churches, the environment can help influence in a positive way or a negative way yeah, a young yeah, person yeah. or an individual. But it shouldn't be cultural. And if it's cultural, if it's comforting as you grow up with rituals and practices, but there is no tangible um, experience for yourself, mm. then... Mm. The sway of what society offers, which is ever increasing, is going to pull people away. And then, of course, from my perspective, Gary, there are distorted uh, beliefs in Christianity, Mm. such as, um, you know, God causes pain and suffering, such as, uh, and it's God's will that people should suffer, uh, including the teaching of an ever-burning hell where Mm. people are currently being tormented. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so... People look at those sorts of things and they say, well, that doesn't gel with my thinking of a just God. 
And, and they are 100% correct, and indeed it doesn't. And in fact, if you come into the Scriptures, uh, what you find is that actually it's not taught in the Scriptures. It's not. And, and so this is, unless an individual has the experience for themselves, so someone could go to church every Sunday, or in our case, every Saturday, and and you could come and you could look the part, and even in my own walk, there was a time where that was the case, where I would turn up to church because it was the done thing to do. Mm. You would say the right things, you would look the right way, you would sing the right songs, mm. but unless there is a heart change and a connection that there is a God who isn't distant, that is near, that loves you and is trying to draw you and to get mm. you to trust in Him and, and commit your life to Him, then we're in danger of what many of these people's experience was a gradual drifting away. Can we just pick up on that particular point? I mean, in your experience, why do people uh, leave faith? I mean, does everyone have a rational reason for leaving faith? Or is it more likely to be this quiet, imperceptible drift? Yeah, look, I think it's, and I think there are two separate things. Sometimes why people leave the church may be connected to why they leave faith, mm-hmm. but other times they can be different. For instance, just some research I've got in front of me of what made people leave church. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are some of the key factors. Uh, these are some of the, and it's about relationships, perceived hypocrisy in other church members, marital difficulties, lack of friends in the church, high level of conflict in the church, other family conflicts, personal conflict with local church members. Um, So these are some of the key reasons why people leave the church Mm. over Mm. conflict and over relationships. Now, I know in my own ministry, when I've visited people that have stopped attending church sometimes for years, it has been these factors that are key. In fact, I've knocked on people's doors, cold calling, that that were members of the church that hadn't attended in years, and uh, I was invited into one particular gentleman's house, and there he had a, a study book that was uh, was a book that our church used. He had his Bible open. So I didn't phone him. I didn't say I was coming. This man was faithfully still in a relationship with God. Wow. But he'd left the church but hadn't left God. With other people, though, I think the culture of the day... Uh, which is we are so immersed in it, and yeah. the access to it is is just prevalent, you know, with mm. media and and internet. That um, you know, I was listening to a presenter on Saturday that was saying Americans touch their mobile phone, swiping, tapping, uh, whatever you want to call it, scrolling. The number of times a day was incredible, mm. and he was saying, "How often do we touch?" The Word of God. Yeah, good question. And so, Gary, I I guess um, in Hebrews chapter 2, the apostle here, the author says, therefore, and he's writing to to Christians that, um, I I guess, coming out of Judaism, it's a fledgling church. They don't have a temple. Mm. They don't have a priesthood, an earthly priesthood, etc., etc. And he says, therefore... We must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift drift away. Mm. And so I think what happens if we're cultural Christians or believers without that true heart connection, little bit by little bit, we succumb to the persuasive culture that we live in, which is increasingly becoming anti-Christian. And that's certainly what you're finding, particularly on the media. Exactly. And so little bit by little bit, that gets chipped away. And so that's why it's critical that it's just like a relationship with a spouse, isn't it? Yeah. If you don't spend time together, 
little bit by little bit, the relationship will break down. And, and drifting, and my wife and I have got kayaks. We haven't used them for about 20 years. But I remember one, <laughs> one trip, we were on the Snowy River, right? This was before kids. And um, we camped. We put our stuff in the kayaks. And coming downstream, we would just uh, separate kayaks. You just um, You just drift along, and you could shut your eyes, and it's almost imperceptible. Yeah. You don't even realize you're drifting. And spiritually, that's what happens. That's what happens. We don't realize it until we find that we are so distant from the views that we once held. Yeah, yeah. It's incredibly sad when that does actually happen because I've seen that particularly happen uh, often with, you know, with young people when they, you know, they might move out of home, you know, and they, particularly they might move into a university type, uh, type environment. And, you know, a drift that has been on during high school years just seems to uh, finally make it to the cliff uh, at, uh, at that particular point in time. And they'll often reject uh, that which uh, has actually got very good authority and good base. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. Look, come, let's come to some uh, some music. This is um, uh, Amazing Grace. My and my chains are gone. Uh, please, uh, please enjoy. I'm a sinner. 
Nathan, Nathan uh, and uh, uh, that's amazing grace. My chains are gone. What a what a beautiful uh, beautiful song that uh, that is. Now, folks, look, we do have our giveaway uh, book uh, uh, today. Now, our giveaway book today, changed for life, uh, real lives in a real world, and uh, the back cover uh, simply says this: life is unfair. We learn that as Christians, and uh, uh, and the truth is is that. Uh, it doesn't always get better. Do you ever wonder why some people seem to do well in spite of suffering? Uh, I can well remember ministering to a to a beautiful indigenous lady, and uh, uh, she managed. She went through so much suffering, and yet she relied uh, on her faith and was able to walk on incredibly troublous waters in spite of all that she went through. This book is the book is a story of eight people who walked on really stormy waters, who walked through challenges that uh, in many ways are almost unbelievable. Now, uh, the book is entitled Changed for Life, a Real Lives in the Real World. Now, this is just Eight people sharing their personal stories. Now, look, if you would like a copy of this particular book, all you need to do is to text us here at uh, Drive Time. Our Drive Time number is 0488 808 11. And just give us today's code, and today's code is SA84, SA84. Uh, no gap between the SA and the 84, and uh, that'll just simply go to our robot. It doesn't come to us. Us, and uh, uh, it'll uh, uh, it, he, he will respond uh, to you and get some information off you uh, so that we can get it to you in the fastest uh, possible way. So that book again, Change for Life, Real Lives in the Real World. Text us 04888-80811 and the uh, code is SA84. You'll love uh, this uh, this particular particular book. Now you are listening to uh, Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with uh, Pastor Gary. And today our co-host is Pastor David Butcher. And David's the lead pastor of the Seventh-day Adventist Church right here in, uh, in South Oz. Now this week we're following the theme, God is Good. How he led me. Now, I've really appreciated the stories uh, that certainly uh, that we have been hearing. Now, look, we live in a world um, where earlier in the program we we spoke of uh, a news article that uh, chatted about people who have chosen to lead faith. And yet, David, I, I'd like to come to you if I can, because um, you were a person who decided not just to be 
a person of faith, but to be a minister, and then uh, to put it into a colloquial terms, a bishop now. You're the uh, leading pastor here in uh, South Australia. You're my boss, which means I just simply say yes, David, to whatever you, you, know, you, you require. Now, look, what I'm wondering is, could you share your journey just a little bit? But particularly, I'd really be interested in knowing, you know, I mean, what took you, because I know that firstly, you know, you were in the, the business world, you went from the business world and then you felt called into ministry how did that happen and then you know have you ever had questions about your christian faith as well yeah, look, uh, thank you, Gary. And um, you said I'm your boss. What I've learnt about uh, there's a difference being a boss and in. in uh, You're a good boss, David. There is a difference though, about being an employer in the business world and being an employer or a boss, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. In, in a Christian entity, and it's about influence. And I guess yeah. even in the corporate world, uh, influence is important, but so is the monetary lever that you have yeah. with people. And I've hired and fired people in in the business world um, in the Christian domain as, as a minister it's about influence and um, working with people is a key thing as it is in the business world but yeah look Gary um, I was blessed to be raised in a Christian home and uh, you know by two loving parents and um, I'm the middle child of three uh, an older sister and a younger brother and uh, I think I was really blessed in that middle child. I got, uh, didn't get the key focus of my older sister. Um, you know, the first one sometimes isn't allowed to do certain things, and the youngest one might. Well, you be. experiment on the first one. Well, yeah, that's right. And and so I was sort of, I don't know, going under the radar might not be the right terminology, but I was able to, um, yeah, I, I had a good. Uh, I enjoyed being the middle child. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Grew up in a Christian home, and um, yeah. Uh, we weren't overly enamoured with um, monetary things. Uh, my dad was a, a Christian book salesman uh, when he became a Christian. Before that, he was a foreman in a company before I was born and um, became a Christian book salesman and no real commission. It's just what you sold. Mm. Uh, sold. And, mm. and he also was a, a preacher that would go around to various churches but wasn't employed as such. And uh, so I grew up with a father that uh, I remember uh, when I would wake up to go to school, my father would be there sitting at a table and he would have the Word of God open. Mm. At mm. night, I know I would go into his room sometimes and there'd be a light on and he'd be on his knees praying by the bed. Mm. And... Um, yeah, my, my dad's witness to me personally probably really didn't hit me until my mid-twenties. Mm. Um, you know, when you're young, you sort of want to do your own thing and all of those sorts of things. But it was a constant in my dad's life that the Bible was always with him. He was a man of prayer. He was a man of godly wis wisdom um, and a man that would do anything for ev anyone and was very generous. And, um, yeah, when he, um, passed away, uh, he died just before, uh, just before he turned 84 back in 2013. And, and he wasn't, he wasn't rich. But, uh, you know, when he died, I discovered he was regularly giving to 22 different charities. Wow. And he was blessed because he was a giver. Mm. And, um, so, 
Yeah, I guess in my younger years, I uh, went through Christian schooling. I attended a Christian church, Seventh-day Adventist church. Um, I had all the head knowledge. Uh, you know, the family environment was a positive one spiritually. All of those sorts of things. But it, like we said at the beginning of the program, having information that doesn't transform uh, doesn't stick you into the church or into relationship with God. And you can, you can be in the church and out of a relationship, right? And Dave. I guess in a sense I was. And, um, yeah, I, I, um, I went through high school and uh, smart enough to not have to study and pass, but dumb enough not to as well because um, <laughs> I wanted to be an architect and I missed out on that by about 10 points. And I enjoyed politics, so I started studying politics and economics, but um, the economics I didn't enjoy too much. And I had a part-time job I got and um, in a warehouse in a clothing and footwear company. And um, after being there for a while, the study went out the window. And uh, 12 months later, I was a warehouse distribution manager of this company, mm. uh, was there for four years, and um, yeah, I uh, came to, I was in Melbourne, and I came to Adelaide for a youth gathering every mm-hmm. four years, and a lot of young people were there, I was young, and on the second last night of this particular event um, in Adelaide, I was with some friends, we sat at a table, and there were some girls opposite, and I started talking to a girl uh, who um, three years later would become my wife. And, um, yeah, we, we just really struck up a conversation. I didn't think too much of it because I was in Melbourne, busy working, mm. and uh, she was in, uh, in, in South Australia. And, yeah, we connected via the phone. We met up, and then we saw each other every fortnight for three years. And... Um, after a period of time, Megan said to me, well, what's going to happen? She had a really good job, a professional job, and, and I had a high-paying job, but it wasn't a professional job. Mm. In the end, I moved to South Australia. We got married in 1996. We've been married 27 years. And um, probably the key factor, I guess, in my faith journey, Gary, one of the key factors, firstly, was my father. A godly mm-hmm. upbringing, my, my parents, but... David, I'm really interested that you do actually say that it was your father because I'm so conscious how many people can actually uh, replicate a very similar story. I, I will remember in my own uh, upbringing, I mean, I can well remember my my mother in my case, uh, you know, praying for myself and my, and my brother. And on that particular occasion, she was actually crying. Uh, because you know, I don't know what you know, me and my brother or had been had been up to at all. I Obviously, no good. I, I, don't, I don't think it was very much. But you know, the reality is is that uh, Mum had a regular and a consistent prayer life, and that was something that I believe. Well, I know it's greatly impacted my own journey. You've you've noticed the same thing. Yeah, look, and just on yourself, I know you're a person of prayer. You've got the Aussie prayer line and you are. And so with my dad, um, when we entered ministry, and we'll skip back to how all that happened later on, but when we entered ministry, my dad was a man with sealed lips. Like, you know, I could share anything with him. And in pastoral ministry, it can have its challenges, and you know that. Anyone in pastoral ministry, it can be lonely, particularly for spouses. And so my wife, Megan, she would often she'd pick up the phone and speak to my dad and she'd say, Roy, um, can you pray for this? Can you pray for that? And, and yeah. when we would go visit my parents, she would say, um, uh, you know, can you pray for this? And um, he was praying. 
And uh, he would often ask, you know, the next time Megan would ring or I would ring, he said, how's this going? He said, I've been praying. When he passed away, um, uh, which was also a very special moment because we have the hope of uh, the second coming. Mm. But when he passed away, for a number of months, I would pick up the phone. I'm just going to ring Dad on this and what would he do, you know, because I just really um, was blessed to have such a Christian parent. And you pick the phone up, you dial, and you realize, hang on a minute, he's not there. Mm. Um, So, yeah, really blessed to have a godly father. Um, Probably one of the key things, Gary, that – that really challenged me because I, I looked the part, I sounded the part, but the heart relationship wasn't there. Um, I had a younger brother, four years younger than me, but my best friend was my cousin. He was mm. about uh, 13 months younger than me, and uh, we um, connected with each other every weekend, if you like, in, in the equivalent of scouts. Uh, we went through part of high school together. Every night we would... Um, leave the high school, catch a train into the middle of Melbourne, and then we'd go our separate ways on a different train line. But we'd spend time together in the city every night after school or frequently, and um, we'd phone each other up at night, etc. And I eventually employed him in a company that I was working for. And um, during that process, um, he... uh, he basically blacked out. We were, we were away somewhere. He blacked out. Uh, he was admitted to hospital. They discovered that he had a a, a large tumor in his in his brain. Wow! And um, we were like closer than brothers. And um, yeah, for the next two years, and he was an only child. He 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 opted not to have a, a surgery. Uh, in the end, they even with surgery, they said you won't live. We can only give you this amount of life. Yeah. And uh, one of the challenging things for me, and I was in Adelaide at the time, and I would travel across and care for him uh, at various times or assist in the care that he had. And um, I asked him, uh, you know, as I watched his faith, you know, he believed in the biblical concept of tithing, and he was sharing with his parents. Um, He was on a disability pension at this stage. He said, look, make sure you tithe. And um, as I watched his faith and I reflected on myself, uh, somewhat of a cultural Christian, it really began to impact me. And I said to him, I said, listen, do you, you know, are you worried about dying? And he said, no, he said, I'm not worried about whether I live or whether I die. He said, I just want to know what's going to happen. But he wasn't fearful of death. And um, the morning that uh, he died, he'd been quoting uh, scriptural passages. He, He died peacefully. And um, I was a bit rocked because I'd been praying that uh, that I had enough faith and mm. I believed with all my heart that he would be healed. And if you have faith and all that, then mountains can move. Mm. And, um, yeah, I pled with God that he would be healed. And he, he wasn't. He passed away. Now, it got to the point where he was admitted to hospital. He was, um, you know almost blacking out because he had grand mal epilepsy with this mm. tumor, which was mm. the size of a man's clenched fist in, in, in his head. And, um, yeah, while he was in hospital, they basically said, you've got four weeks to live if we don't do anything. If we do do something, you'll have six months. And he opted not to. When he left the hospital, he lived for another four months uh, basically pain-free. Mm. He still had the ability to... Um, uh, care for himself in a you know ch- a chair in the shower etc. He was very slow when he walked, mm. 
And when he died, I was saying, God, you know, what, what's going on? I had the faith. You didn't heal him. This why question. Yeah, yeah. And lots of people actually have this particular question. I mean, I'm really conscious that amongst our, you know, amongst our, our listeners today, you know, I'd be really surprised if there isn't somebody there that isn't, you know, isn't asking exactly that question. It, it is so common. And I had that question. Now, about that time after his death, it really shook me. And we went on a journey to look at ministry but what actually happened it wasn't until i was starting to become a minister a couple of years later that i the penny dropped for me it takes more faith i believe to put something in the hands of god and say god your will be done than it does to uh, demand of god that someone be healed now, I believe God wants us to come to him with our desires and our wants. Jesus did that in the Garden of Gethsemane. Father, if it's possible, this cup be taken from me, let it be. But not my will, your be done. So we come to God with our pleas and our desires, but it takes faith to say, this is what I want, God, but I trust you more than my own desire. And what I realized a couple of years later was that God had done a miracle. He lasted, my cousin lasted four weeks, pain-free, with the dignity of someone that could care for themselves and then fell asleep in death peacefully. Hadn't answered the miracle I was after, but he did do a miracle. And he will do a miracle on the resurrection morning. So those were big things in my journey, but we haven't yet covered, um, I guess, the what, uh, what happened with me starting to study for ministry. Yeah, look, let's come to uh, to a little bit of music, and we'll come back to that the moment that, uh, that this uh, uh, just after this song. This is Gavin Chatillier uh, as water uh, to the thirsty, and that's indeed exactly what our Lord and our God uh, is. Please enjoy. Sunrise to the day A 
That is Gavin uh, Chatillier, and uh, he's singing as water uh, to the thirst. And that is exactly what our Lord and our God is. Um, now, look, our giveaway book today is uh, the book Change for Life, Real Lives in a Real World. There's some just more stories of uh, the changes that have happened in people's lives uh, when they have committed uh, all that they have uh, to Jesus Christ. Uh, these, are, these are powerful stories. If, if you would like uh, your own your own copy, maybe you'd like to use this book in your uh, devotional uh, time, uh, then uh, all you need to do is to text us here. Uh, our studio text number is 04888 80811 and uh, our code for today uh, just put in your text uh, just put SA84 SA84 and uh, no gap between any of those uh, letters or uh, or numbers and uh, that'll go to our robot and uh, he'll contact you he'll uh, ask you a few questions uh, so that we can get this book to you in the fastest uh, possible way change for life a real little ripper this uh, this book 04888 80811 and uh, the code is SA84 you'll really appreciate this uh, now you are listening to Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with uh, Pastor Gary and today our co-host is Pastor David Butcher and David's the lead pastor of the Seventh-day Adventist Church right here in uh, in South South Australia uh, and this week we're following the theme God is good, uh, how God led me and I've really appreciated the stories we've been uh, hearing and uh, today we're hearing of uh, the experience of uh, Pastor David David Butcher and all that he's been through. But, David, look, you were going to tell us before the break, how did you transition from, uh, I suppose, the uh, secular employment to being a, a minister of the gospel? That's a huge transition. Yeah, thank you, Gary. Yeah, really good question. I... Um you know, I, I got married, I moved to Adelaide. Um, I'd previously worked in the footwear and clothing industry and in warehouse and distribution management and also in freight. And I moved to Adelaide. I had a job for 10 months that I got given straight up in a particular company, but I wasn't fulfilled. And I saw in a company called RM Williams Footwear and Clothing Company, they were advertising for a position. It, RM Williams is a South Australian based company. Um, and, um, I applied for a job that I had no skill for. Mm-hmm. And, um, I sent in an application and, um, 
yeah, I didn't hear from them. And so my wife said to me, Megan said, you need to ring them up and, and ask them. And I thought, no, no, no. She said, no, you need to ring them. So I phoned them up and I got the HR manager and I mentioned that I'd sent an application and she obviously pulled it out of a file and she said, oh, look, you weren't um, qualified. I said, yeah, I realise that. But I said, I imagine a company of your reputation that I'd at least get some feedback. And um, as she was going through my application on the phone, she said, actually, we've got a job that uh, we're going to be advertising and you have the skill set can you apply so I applied and uh, went through two interviews I think the second one was with the managing director and it it was for about an hour and a half to two hours and um, he was a man of faith a Lutheran man and I talked about my faith a bit and I worked at that company R.M. Williams in the head office there for about four and a half years now it was an incredible company and is an incredible company sort of company that fosters a culture where many people will work through their whole career mm, mm. there were three or four people that had worked there for 50 plus years wow. Wow. And could remember the the founding of the company and Reg uh, Murray, Reginald Murray Williams, the founder. Uh, you know, I'd met a couple of times. He would phone me on occasion. I was a buyer. Uh, he would phone me and he would complain about some of the products I was ordering and where I needed to go overseas to get them. And but it was an incredible company, and yet there was this lack of fulfilment. And you know, I did some travel across uh, parts of the world in Australia and New Zealand. A really good job. Megan and I were both. She had a, a you know high paying and a really high job life was good we mm, built a house mm, mm. Um, but there was this lack of fulfillment and um, one day we were traveling through <clears throat> the hills of Adelaide and basically um, we'd heard a sermon from a, a youth pastor that had sort of resonated with us we're driving mm. through the Adelaide hills and we were looking for another property to purchase or toying yeah, with the idea yeah. and suddenly we turned to each other and we looked at each other and said to each other is this really what God wants almost simultaneously and um, we'd sort of toyed with the idea of doing some overseas aid work for you know mm, three or six mm, months mm. but with a mortgage you get tied down and and we looked at each other and we said well maybe god wants us to do ministry now that doesn't seem like much but it was because it was a bit of a joke it's huge it's a bit huge. of a joke for me because my dad <laughs> had done lay preaching yeah and uh, we'd been dating every fortnight seeing each other for three years two states apart or a state apart and whenever I wanted to stir my future wife, I would say, I want to become a minister before we're married. <laughs> and she would say, well, I'll never marry you. And so if ever I wanted to sort of, you know, have a good go, I'd just say, I want to be a minister. Well, here we are a number of years later in married life, and we both turn to each other. Mm. Maybe God wants us to do ministry. And we didn't share that with many people, anyone at that stage. Mm. And um, a couple of months later, we'd been involved in a Christian youth group. We were youth leaders. Uh, I was asked to take a presentation at a youth camp, and I did that. And, and this particular girl, who was a friend of ours, but not close, close, she said to me after, she said, looked in, into my eyes, she said, have you ever thought of doing ministry? Mm. And we hadn't told anyone. And um, didn't say much. And then we shared with a minister what we sort of felt and he was positive and supportive, and we prayed, and we worked through positives and negatives and what it would mean. And then I spoke to my father, um, and I said, Dad, he was a Christian book salesman, and I said, Dad, you know, how do I know if this is not some personal desire, and how do I know if it's not that, or is it from God? Mm. You know, I'd had no Damascus Road experience. Yeah, yeah. I hadn't had a Jonah experience in the yeah. belly of a whale and yeah. God save me. There was no strike of lightning. And my father said, listen, he said, listen, I can pray every morning. And he was a man of prayer. I can pray that I will sell Christian books. 
but if I don't leave the home, if I don't step out of the home, I won't get to sell them. Mm. So he was saying, step forward in faith. Mm. And um, that is what we did. And we prayed and we prayed. And um, we asked God to, if he wanted to open the doors, that he would, it would be really obvious. Yeah. The closer we got to having to tell both our employers, and we gave, both gave four months' notice, and before that occurred, my uh, managing director said to me, we're looking to put you into middle management. Mm. Not long after that, I said, hey, uh, you know, I'm going to be leaving. And... Um, he listened to me. He was, as I said, a Christian. And he said to me, he said, David, he said, I can't argue with your boss over the course of the conversation because that was God. Mm. And um, the closer we got to having to make a decision to shift because we shifted states to study mm. at a seven-day Adventist mm. seminary, um, we are saying, God, open the doors. The doors opened. But before that, we were saying, God, if you don't want this to be, shut the doors. And they mm. never were shut. Mm. Mm. Now, that was our call. Has ministry been easy? Uh, no. Uh, ministry is tough, but I think mm. life can be tough. Mm. You know, you see the highs and the lows, and I sort of went into ministry thinking that God would use me to change the world. <laughs> and very naive, right? And I, and I wasn't young when I went in, right? I was mature age. Yeah. yeah. But what I've discovered is that we're all ministers, and God is teaching me in ministry and molding me. Yeah. As much as I might be blessing and um, assisting others Indeed. on their journey. Indeed. We rub off on each other, don't we? A- absolutely. So, yeah, um, I've sat there and I've been in groups of pastors and they've shared these incredible miracle stories. I remember, uh, you know, when I started theology studies, the very first time we all met, you know, 20 or 30 uh, young students or students, and they're all telling their journey, what they're calling, if you like. And one guy was out in the ocean somewhere, the story, this is what stuck with me, and he was drowning and no one was there, and suddenly a hand pulled him up onto the shore and there was no one there. Well, I had none of that. Yeah. But you don't yeah. need that, and and you just need to know that God has a purpose in your I life. I think that's a really important thing that you've just said there, David, that you don't need that. Uh, because, I mean, I, I'm so conscious that, you know, I've certainly had numerous young people come and talk to me and say, hey, look, you know, I mean, how do I know where God wants me to serve? And that, that can be hard to work through. And in reality, I believe God had been calling me since I was a young person, but I had pushed back and resisted and resisted. I'm not good enough. Mm. I don't know enough. It's not for me. And, and as I th- reflect back on that now, and I still am not good enough. Mm. And I think it's really important that in ministry, you're a servant. You're always learning. You're there to learn from others. But you're there to share hope. Yeah. You're yeah, there to yeah. share that Jesus is the answer. Yeah. yeah. And I guess in my journey, um, one of my favorite passages is in Second um, Corinthians chapter four, verse seven, where the apostle Paul says, "But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us." Mm. And, and so. He is saying we're earthen vessels, we're common, we're fragile, we're cheap. The earthen vessels were clay pots, clay jars, common. But the treasure that is inside of us is is the gospel message, the power of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus. And that's what we're called to do. So I've had some amazing jobs, some amazing opportunities in various businesses, but nothing compares to opening the word of God 
seeing people give their lives to God, seeing young people and old people step up into a life of ministry in a local church or in their community. And nothing is as special as um, journeying with a family even, and special might be the wrong word, when they're going through the valley of the shadow of death, being there at those very... um, emotional moments to be there to support and comfort and give hope. Yeah, I find, David, that one of the most amazing things to me is when you actually see the Holy Spirit take hold of a situation. And I don't know how many times in my ministry I can I can sit back and I can just simply say, hey, you know, the words that I spoke on a particular occasion, they weren't actually my words. They were words that came from somewhere else. You know, I, uh, I've i been in situations where I look at and I just say, hey, the Holy Spirit has moved. I, I well remember when I was uh, considering my own uh, journey, you know, where, where should I actually go? I remember hearing a, uh, a preacher, he was talking on this subject and he said, uh, he said, um, he was talking about Balaam's ass. And he said, if the Lord can make Balaam's ass to speak, he can make you to speak. And uh, when I thought that was a powerful uh, story because I, ha- I have to admit, I ranked myself something above pa- Balaam's ass. I'm glad. Um, I'm but, glad you did. But, but maybe not much above. But, you know, I mean, it's the Holy Spirit who's actually able to empower Balaam's ass and you know to me I I sort of look at it if the Lord is able to call Balaam's ass then maybe he's calling every one of us and if the Lord is able to call 12 Galilean men fishermen, tax collectors a zealot you know a terrorist if you like if he's able to call these people and turn them into world changers then he's able to turn the men and the women and the young people that are listening to this uh, program on Faith FM Drive Time and another verse that I love is 1 Peter 4 verses uh, 10 and 11 where um, the Apostle Peter says each one of you has been blessed with one of God's many wonderful gifts to be used in the service of others so use your gift well that is such a significant passage of scripture. But David, look, I've got just got one final question because our time is starting yes. to, to disappear on us. You know, in your ministry, have you ever had questions yourself? Have you ever questioned faith? I've, I've had questions, yes. Um, uh, yeah, I guess I heard something at a faith and science conference I went to where this scientist was talking about a young age uh, of the mm. earth, etc. And he was demonstrating various things and an advocate for it, which I am as well. But he said he had questions. Yeah. And he said he has this shelf, if you like, in his mind, the question shelf, yeah. where he puts these questions on that shelf, knowing that he does not have all the answers at this time, yeah. but looking forward to the time when he will. <clears throat> and yeah. I reflect on... Acts 1, where just before Jesus ascends into heaven, the disciples say, you know, is it now when you're going to redeem Israel? Or, mm. you know, I think that's how the, it's worded there in Acts chapter 1. And he said, it's not necessary for you to know that now. Mm. There are things that we don't know and don't understand in this world. And even though we want those answers, they may not be beneficial, the most important things for us to come to faith. We don't need them. We don't need to know. Right now. We don't need to know. And, and, you know, why did God allow, why did God create us if we were going to be suffering? 
Why did God allow this person to die? So we ask the why question. For me, I try to, and I sometimes I've had those with my cousin, even with some other people I've loved. The question, the answer I try and use is the what, Mm. which is a question which provides the answer. Why did God allow this? We know there's a great conflict between good and evil, but for me, it's what is God doing about it? Yeah. Jesus came created he was the creator but he becomes part of his own creation lives a perfect life suffers things we will never have to suffer takes upon us his sin is crucified a cruel death dies was resurrected Mm. is now ministering in heaven for us is coming back as king and conqueror and lord Mm. that's what he's doing that's powerful. That's what we need to that's know. Power, and that's what we need to know. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we come to you right now. Lord, I want to say thank you for being the almighty God. Lord, I just want to pray right now if there's anybody uh, out there who's struggling, who's asking that particular question, uh, Lord, what do you want me to do? Uh, Lord, I just pray by your Holy Spirit that you might descend on them at this time. Uh, Lord, that you will convict them, that there will be a conviction in their mind as to what they ought to do. Uh, Lord, I'm conscious that at this time of the year, often young people are asking that particular question. Uh, Lord, I pray that you might be the one that might respond by your spirit and that they might become clear uh, as to the direction you would have them move. Lord, I ask, we pray these things in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Well, friends, it does look like our time's up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary and Pastor David Butcher on Drive Time Big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when we'll hear how God has led in the life of Pastor Hugh Heenan. Uh, Really look forward uh, to joining you again. But until then, please remember Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you. This program has been made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio.